Hey everyone, Trevor here with Red and Leaf, and I'm very happy and lucky to have Ashley Newman on with me today. She is the CEO and owner of Queen of the Bud. There's been a little bit of transition with her brand lately, so I'm excited to go over that, and as well as the new products that she's bringing to market with the collaboration with Weed Me was the latest one I saw. So I'm really excited to learn more about the transition that she's gone through over the last year, as well as the new products that are coming to market. So welcome, and uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's I've had a lot of opportunity to hear lots about you and be at events where you're speaking, but have never had the chance to actually make it in because you're in the middle of the day, usually right in the middle of the conversation. Oh, Ashley talked today. And I look up. Oh, I missed it about two and a half hours ago. (laughs) That's what happens at these cannabis events. You smoke so much weed, you don't even know what's going on. Or you get caught up in a conversation, you look at your watch going, oh, I should have been somewhere an hour and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Been here for three hours. <laughs> the amount of times you get distracted there is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll start off, we'll do a little bit of an introduction into your brand, Queen of the Bud, because I do remember you starting out um, with Candry that was based out of Sundry, Alberta, correct? Yeah, well, we actually started off prior to um, my partnership with Candry. We started off as retail. Um, So I was one of the first stores open. I worked really, really hard. Uh, It was not easy to do. I had zero experience in retail, zero experience in cannabis. Well, I mean, outside of my own consumption. Uh, And then zero experience with AGL see and and, uh, the application process for something like this and they didn't even really know the process it was kind of fresh to everyone because Alberta was one of the first provinces to kind of say hey we're going to allow dispensaries and and have a plan on how they were going to roll that out so um, got the store open and then I was able to kind of have different offers come to the table I knew I wanted to get into the cultivation side and product side that's my true passion Um, and so the opportunity to partner with Candry came along and I decided to take it and I am happy that I made that decision because Jeff and Rachel and some of the the team at Candry are just amazing at what they do and so we did produce uh, incredible quality and they definitely reached my expectations because they cared about the product. She was uh, head of QA, Jeff was um, our master grower and they just didn't compromise on any detail and I'm very particular on things. So for instance, our 3.5 grams, it was very important to me that you open it up and you get one big nug in there and that it was preserved properly. The humidity, the terpenes um, were still intact and it didn't dry out. And so we used the calyx containers and they actually would take a, like a pile and they would hand weigh exactly 3.6 gram nugs. And then as soon as we didn't have any more 3.6 gram nugs, they'd stop. And then we would put uh, the rest of the bud into our pre-rolls. We never had any shake or trim in them. Um, And then that way, when people opened it up, you get this big, beautiful uh, bud in there. So I, I do think that they were just a fantastic team to to work with. And then it became very corporate. And I just think we had the wrong 
team of people in there. And so Jeff and Rachel left. I eventually left. It was just not the greatest uh, environment. And so it worked out well because when I decided to leave my position at Candry, um, I made an like I asked if I could possibly buy the brand back because we merged the two companies uh, when we decided to partner and I was so limited because everything I wanted to do for the brand had to go through um, this group of of people and so it's just nothing really was moving forward the brand wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to um, just because I didn't fully have a say on on everything in in the end and so I was extremely grateful that they agreed to allow me to um, purchase the brand back and as soon as I got it back I um, phoned up Weed Me. Terry is uh, a really good friend of mine and just such an awesome human being and and he said Ashley we'd love to to work with you and, and bring some of your products to market so um, yeah so I partnered with Weed Me and then since I've partnered with uh, four other licensed producers to bring certain products to market I just I think it's better than trying to do everything yourself at Candry. That's what I learned when you have that many staff and, and just, you can't be good at everything. You can't do bath bombs and topicals and grow and, you know, process pre-rolls all in the same facility. It's tough to do all that well. And so I guess I switched up my strategy where now I just approached the best licensed producers in all of Canada within that particular category um, and gave them the opportunity to bid on who got that uh, product just because Queen of Bud's a very unique brand. We can market in ways that other brands cannot. Um, and yeah, we're not really corporate. We're in it because we really want to inspire people and combine spirituality and cannabis to make people more mindful and um, reflective and just perhaps get into a better mindset when they consume cannabis. Uh, so it's been really fun and I get to kind of pick, I, I won't select a company that doesn't align with my values and my attention to detail and that doesn't believe in the standard that I have for this brand and believe in the importance of consistency when it comes to building a cannabis brand. Uh, so now I just feel like I'm surrounded by the best people in the industry again, and we're having so much fun bringing some really unique products to market that no one has done before if someone's done it I just I'm not interested in doing it so um yeah we have some really unique cultivars coming to market and it's been it's been really fun and the transition has been awesome and I just feel like the brand is going in the direction that I had envisioned uh three or four years ago that's a huge benefit that we have in the industry right now where there's so many people in the industry that are passionate and are trying to make not necessarily just a name for themselves, but make opportunities for themselves to be productive and successful in this industry, whether it's growing for another brand or whether it's supporting those smaller brands. Like there's so many different avenues. So for someone like you being able to go and find the companies and the LPs that are doing exactly what you're looking for them to do on the production side and then pair up the genetics or the cultivation um, 
end process that you're looking for that they can do the best is awesome. And it, the amount of partnerships and collabor- collaborations that you're starting to see come up between the people who are doing the best in their areas is awesome. And I love seeing this industry grow as a unit, not one tower overall. The entire, like, the the tide is rising and all the boats are going up with it. And I love seeing that mentality and approach. Well, I actually just don't even think you can succeed any other way. And I said that in the beginning because I had the opportunity to join the Alberta Cannabis Council. And through that, I got to meet all of the different stores and kind of help them out. And something I noticed in the very beginning, so in 2018, uh, 2019, um, a lot of stores kind of felt that they were competing with one another they didn't like another store um other licensed producers would kind of put down other uh product and other other producers and i just thought like we there's i can offer value in 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 one form but i lack value where they have value so if you're able to combine that i think especially in such a regulated and difficult industry to be in uh i really do think that you need other other people's help and and on top of that like i think that the um you just uh i don't even know <laughs> i don't know where i was going with that but well, i was just gonna say to build off of that with if you look at cannabis cannabis just accentuates your personality it just highlights who you are more so when you go to the people who are producing it, they're going to be the extremes of that. So you're going to have some mentalities that you either completely agree with, and there's going to be some that you completely disagree with, but they're not necessarily doing things wrong. They're just people you may not work well with. And that's the amazing thing with this industry is there's kind of that opportunity for these groups to work together and kind of rise their own tide, increase the quality that's being put out there, increase the variety that's being put out there because there's some really interesting stuff that's being worked on right now yeah no definitely um yeah I I agree I think that collaboration is key to succeeding and um and if I had that mentality back all those years ago and said oh these stores are my competitors or these licensed producers are my competitors then one I probably wouldn't have them wanting to work with me today and manufacture my products and um, you know take on that financial risk it also allows me to spread the financial risk across multiple companies versus taking everything on yourself because um, that's why so many companies are going bankrupt now is it's extremely expensive to be in cannabis and to build a brand is not easy um so I felt like that was a more strategic way of of succeeding um so yeah and then the stores if I had seen them as competitors then they probably wouldn't carry my products today and I'm really proud to say that we're one of the only brands that I know of that, that isn't part of any of these data deals and is just truly selling based on quality, consistency, um, and really great relationships. Anytime that these stores ever needed my help, I was always there for them. I would drive to their store at 1 a.m. and help them set up their POS or they couldn't get their first delivery uh, into the system. And I just, I don't know, I really just like helping people. And I think that's what cannabis is about. And that's what this industry is about. If you take the, the corporate people and the corporate side out, like in the beginning, all of us were were very um, 
what can we, what, how can we help? Like that just makes us feel good is, is kind of moving the industry forward as a whole. Uh, I, I completely agree. And I would say from year one to where we are now, the people who are in operations who actually have the say are a lot more of the, how can we help mentality than day one? Because day one, it seemed like there was a lot more just CEO with money backing the company, waiting to get things rolling. And now we've had time to kind of push the that first wave of bud tenders. They're now cultivation. They're now reps. They've now kind of transitioned. And even three or four years from now, when everyone's kind of gone that next step up, that first wave is now running their own businesses because you're starting to see them get up and running and be successful with it. You see that next wave of bud tenders move in. And that that's where I really am excited to see this industry because that's where collaboration and these kind of um, starting partnerships that companies like you are showcasing are very successful and beneficial and needed in this industry will be what the next wave strives for because it's like, oh, well, that's what's works. And I get to work with my buddy. Why wouldn't I? And that yeah. mentality is going to make this industry amazing. <laughs> well, and I think something I learned is I really was unhappy the last few years, like severely anxious and depressed. And I just feel like I lost myself completely. That wasn't why I started the store. The first year was so exciting and I just had a blast and uh, I got to help many people. And then it kind of became, yeah, I was very limited. I was restricted. Uh, and so I kind of something I realized stepping away from that environment is life is really short and it's not necessarily about the goal because anytime that I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I really want to make this happen. And then as soon as you make it happen, it's, it's not like it's the end and life is perfect. You know, you have another goal. And so it's always kind of evolving and changing. And, um, I just want to enjoy, and this is why I'm so particular on who I work with and 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 what we do as a brand. I just want to enjoy the pro, like the process. I just want to enjoy the journey. And when I decide to bring a product to market, that's what I ask myself first: is will I enjoy the process of creating it? Because everything that you do in business and bringing a product to market is extremely difficult. Everything goes wrong. There hasn't been one product that I've brought to market out of like. 50 SKUs that's been, oh, that was so easy. That went out, that went off without any issues. Like it just, it doesn't work like that. And so it's going to be difficult. And if you're at least enjoying the process uh, and the journey of it, then it kind of, it doesn't seem as difficult. And, and I think that's one of the only ways that you can get through those, those uh, hard times. Well, exactly. And taking that kind of mentality that you have, I've just, gone a little bit of a minor alteration just because of what I'm doing isn't so product driven, but more connection and networking. It's I'm excited to work with this person. Yeah. I'm excited to develop something with this person or support this person. It's gotten more of that, right? Like grow up. I'm excited to hopefully get an opportunity with Remo to sit down with Kevin Jodry to sit down. And I'm looking forward to that. And it's same type of goal, just a different way of looking at it. It's that exactly. connecting in the industry, making the industry more interconnected and working together. Yeah. And and the advocates and the people who are really passionate about it, 
you, there's just an aura that absolutely radiates from them. You go to an event, you go to a smoke sesh, you know who are those people because they're usually the one leading a group in a conversation. <laughs> totally. And we have such, like, that's my favorite part about the cannabis industry really is the people. Like, it's, you go and you tour a facility, then you guys Go, we go and eat and then we smoke some weed together and just chat like the conversations aren't about materialistic things they aren't about money it's just it's really connecting with with people's soul and and their authenticity because I think when you smoke weed um we all kind of play a character you play one character with your parents one character at work one character with your kids um and then eventually they kind of intertwine with each other and you you lose sight of of who you actually are um and what I love about cannabis is it you're you're stoned so there's no way you're going to focus on playing this character and you really get to be vulnerable and 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 be your authentic self like i've i've uh, met with different uh large uh, exe- uh, ceos and executives and they're so formal and they're playing this character and then i'm like do you want to smoke weed and they're like no i don't really do that and then somehow i convince them to do it and it's like this wall goes down and you get to see their true self and it's so beautiful and you can actually connect with them on like a uh, on a greater level and so uh that's what I absolutely love about cannabis and about this industry oh it's the the closest thing that I could compare this to is the opportunities that I had when I was growing up going to fire halls and like full-time fire departments where you walk in and you're like oh this is a family unit like the captain, the two senior guys, their mom, their their mom and dad in the in the sense of taking care of everything, and then it's just a group of kids having fun. Yeah. When I go to LPs and grow locations that have like you walk in and you can hear somebody making fun of somebody else in the other room and everyone's laughing, and it's just that kind of vibe. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, I I'm gonna love working with this company, supporting them because that's the type of environment I look for. Like for me, it's a lot of replacing that lack of camaraderie that I'd have in EMS and fire because that's where I originated. I was planning to be full-time integrated firefighting EMS. So transitioning to cannabis, I found an even better experience with that because the entire industry is open like that. There's not as much infighting. So this this is more of that community mindset and it's amazing. And you can just tell the producers and the companies that are family mindset in they hire people who collaborate and work well with everyone. It's not just trying to fill a position, which some companies do and it works and they can get away with it. Others can't. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. And with the events coming up and how quickly this industry is growing, it'll be interesting to see where we are at the end of this summer, let alone at the end of this year. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, it's progressing slowly on the regulatory side and each province has their own set of rules and, and regulations, but I think it's slowly becoming more open and in Alberta, we're now allowed sampling and uh, we're now allowed to sell 
uh, clothing and candles or different things out of stores that we were limited on before. And so it is, it is improving. It's just, it's a brand new industry like that. How, how many people can say that you were like on the forefront of a brand new industry that didn't exist um, and you're kind of figuring it out. Like the government would joke with, with me and just say like, you're our guinea pig. We don't, we don't know. We're kind of figuring out how, um, what works, what doesn't. And so it's very expensive being a guinea pig. Um, but I think it gave me so much experience because I got to be on the retail side and because, um, uh, when we opened, it was like right at legalization. And so not a lot of bud tenders uh, had their QCW. There was like 4,000 applications that AGLC was kind of trying to get through. And so I was like the bud tender. We were seeing thousands of people a day. But it was awesome because I could see like what they liked, what they didn't, what they felt was missing on the market. And even to this day, like a lot of I think that there's a bit of a disconnect between some of the executives and the bud tenders. And I think it's really important if you're creating products that you're in the store. So I do all of the pop-ups. I don't have a sales team that's out there doing pop-ups on my behalf. I want to go into the store. I want to chat with the customers. I want to chat with the retailer. I want to find out what they want us to bring to market. Like that's what is important to me is that queen of bud, I couldn't have done I couldn't have done any of this on my own. This has truly been a collaboration of different conversations, different people um, that have helped me along the way. And so the customers, I, I that's why I ask them, what do you want me to bring to market? I am here to serve you. You just tell me what you, what products you want, what we do you want. And, um, and like, I'm happy to, I just want it to be a, a community and, and a brand that was built by everyone. Oh, that's, that's a very similar mindset to what I'm doing with Red of the Leaf and this community that I'm building. It's it's that collaborative effort, right? It's have the community tell us what they want and go and provide that service. Because yeah. otherwise, it's the industry feeding the industry. And that's not what we want in cannabis because that's going to kill a lot of the like really good producers, really good products because it'll become mass for least amount of cost which is the yeah. last thing we need there's already too much of that <laughs> there's yeah there is a lot of it and um as i said i just think it's also a disconnect between uh the corporate world so the corporate world was kind of annoyed with people like me that are very passionate and they're like no you have to cure the cannabis and they're like no like we just want to get it out we got to make money we got to please shareholders and it's like but there's no longevity in that you're rushing the process. And if it's not the greatest quality, you're not going to build a brand and it's going to be based on price point. And eventually someone will always be cheaper than you. Um, and I actually met with, cause I do help a lot of, I've never, I don't charge anything, but if anyone ever needs me or calls me and wants some advice or feedback, if I can offer any advice or I always do. And one of the, the large uh, companies, their CEO uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, I hear that you, you know, know a lot, you know what you're doing. Let's meet. I are, 
you know, sales are decreasing. Can you tell me why? So we met and I started talking to him and I just said, well, I know you're not growing it anymore and it's B2B. And he's like, how do you know that? And I said, I can tell because the flavor isn't the same as what it was. The quality is not the same. And, um, and then I said, your THC is low. And he's like, okay, so people keep talking to me about THC. So what is that? And I just thought, how can you be selling millions and millions of dollars of cannabis and you don't know what THC is, you don't know what CBD is, you don't know the different benefits of the cannabinoids? How are you directing your team to bring products to market when you don't even understand the product, let alone the customer? Yeah, a CFO, somebody that's taking care of money can get away with that. HR could arguably get away with that. Their positions are not to deal with the product. Their position is to deal with the money and the humans in the company. Different different positions, different mentality. The CEO should have an idea of the products that are going out to market. <laughs> have an idea of what's in the products that are going out to market, at the very least. Like that's that's a little ridiculous. But you'd you'd be surprised how common that is. Oh. They really do see it like these big companies. Um and a lot of them are the only ones left because they are the ones that are continuing to get funding. It's difficult for uh, the small guys and little people like me to to access that kind of, of capital and take on that kind of responsibility. And so uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how many companies uh, have employees like that. And I, I do think that you you need a mix of the corporate. You need someone that can structure the company or else people like me are just so, you know, free spirits and, and love uh, being in the grow rooms and bringing product to market. But we need that, um, I guess, like someone to help guide that area so that the company succeeds. But it can't be too corporate and it can't be too relaxed. You need kind of a, a mesh of, of the two worlds. Oh, absolutely. And and like for me, when it comes to the corporate side, my biggest issue is the sharing of information. Like there's some companies where it's small, like a company like yours, where it's like, okay, I want to do work with you. Well, I only need to get approval from you to be able to share the information. You go to a corporate company, well, the lawyers need to check over it. The CEO needs to check over it. Marketing needs to check over it. And I need five different people to approve one piece of content to highlight your product coming out. Is yeah. it worth me putting that effort and time in when I can go and work for a company that's the same size that goes, I like what you're doing. You do what you do. Just let us watch it once before you send it out so we can tell you if we need one or two pieces pulled out. I have no issues with you guys giving me final okay, but if there's six different fingers in that pot that are then, well, you need to take this out for this person, this out for this person, this out. It's like at that point, you're piecemealing what I'm doing and it's not worth the effort. And companies like yeah. that aren't, aren't going to do well for a long period of time, especially if they're just battling on the lowest price point. Yeah. And I went through that like with, um, with my company as well. I, because in the beginning I just loved hanging out with people. I just kind of be myself and, and in that environment, myself was like not accepted. I said the wrong thing. I, I did the wrong thing. 
Um, and to the point where after months of it, I just didn't want to go on podcasts. I didn't want to do interviews. I didn't want to do panels or speaking events. I didn't, I was just, I became so isolated because everything I said and did was being twisted and taking out of, taken out of context. And, um, so it's just, you're not, I, once it goes through the lawyers and that many people, it's just, you're there's nothing left that's truly authentic and, and real. And it gave me such anxiety. Um, and that was truly why I decided to leave is because I felt like I was just losing myself and, and my brand and I didn't have a voice anymore. And, and actually what kind of finalized it is I was doing a pop-up and this girl came up to me and she goes, you know, I really loved your, your videos online and I loved your interviews and you inspired me to get into this industry. You were like the, one of the first females. And, and she's like, why are like, why don't you do that anymore? Like the women in this industry need you. And, and I just said, I, I, I mess up all the time and I say the wrong thing. And, um, I just, am so scared to speak. And she just said, who cares you know like who cares about what anyone else thinks like you're gonna mess up you're gonna say something today and in five years you might look at that podcast and think like why did I even have that opinion or say that but that's just part of evolution it's part of life and and she just said like you mean a lot to to me into this industry and I really think that you should get back out there not if you know if you're nervous yourself but just even for us that really would appreciate what you have to say in your experience they said like you've you've been on the retail side you've been on the cultivation side b2b sales marketing um the regulatory uh the political side submitting products into the different provinces exporting dealing with international companies like i it's been a really rough couple years nothing has been easy whatsoever but i think what like it's at least it's been such an amazing experience and i've learned so much and i do feel like i have a lot to offer about the industry because of that experience oh absolutely and and the one of the reasons I started creating content was I'm going to be learning. I'm going to be doing this anyways. Let's share this with everyone. And then once I started doing the podcast, everything, it's like, oh, I'm learning this through everything. Not be selfish with it. Let's share it with everyone we can. And for me, it's when I learn new things and my opinion changes because my opinion has changed drastically from year one of creating content to what I am have now. You can go back and see how that opinion has changed then you could potentially have your opinion change because it's not just, oh, this is why I change here. I Here's the three reasons why five years after, where I just hit it again as another point. Instead, you get to see the five conversations that have made me start thinking that way. And then the final one that put the nail in the coffin, that went, okay, I see the whole picture now. This makes more sense. Let's adjust the way I'm thinking and approach it a different way. Yeah. So creating content like that is hugely beneficial for everyone because they'll get to go along that kind of transitional journey with you. So the more you learn and share, the more they get to learn and share. And it'll also encourage them to start sharing their journeys themselves. Because that's what I found as I've had people start to reach out going, hey, I want to start doing this. Do it. Do it. Yeah. You People will catch on and start learning from you and feeding you more information because they'll find out what you're interested in learning. 
So the creating content, getting back out there, that's, that's huge. It's huge in this industry. Yeah, I agree. And having people that can kind of set those flagpoles to start out with, like you being kind of a leading woman in the industry, having the first location, being one of the first leaders in the industry is a huge benefit and a different point of view than what I can provide or what anybody else in the industry can provide, especially working with AGLC. Because somebody up in the Yukon, like Kyler, somebody I had on the uh, podcast a couple of months ago, his dealings with the Yukon is totally different than you with the AGLC. So the more people putting that information out there, the more um, the industry as a whole can grow and develop and learn from one another. And that's, that's what I love about this industry is the amount of information that's starting to come out every year is increasing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's more interconnection. There's more networking. There's more opportunities. And I love that. I love that this industry is expanding the way that it should be. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't for a really long time. So um, people look at, at it now, but like we're four and a half years in, it hasn't been uh, quick. I remember in 2018, we were thinking, oh, everything's going to change in the next year or two, but it, it's really, it's been a very slow process. And um, a lot of people really are going out of business or stores are closing and, um, it's, it's changing a lot, but I, I think that if you can make it through this period of time, um, then in the future, it'll be, it'll be awesome. Oh, absolutely. And I, 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 there's a dual edged sword to the COVID pandemic and everything that came in. I think it saved the cannabis industry in some aspects by preventing huge corporate entities coming into the event space and kind of conglomerizing that right at legalization because it was starting to get there. It was looking to get there when we right before COVID hit that summer. So you're seeing a lot of companies, oh, well, we're collaborating to do a cannabis event. Oh, we're collaborating. And then it just didn't happen because everyone was locked down. So I think it saved us that way. But it hurt so many of the smaller producers that it's really a dual-edged sword. Now yeah. we're seeing a lot of those independent smaller companies that may not have done well in the production or the pre-COVID area revamp and try to re-enter this industry in another way, which I'm liking seeing a lot of small companies trying to do smaller local events, smaller local approaches to create more of that community again, try to create that hype and interest in getting together socially and, and consuming and educating one another. And that is more what we needed in this industry, small, local, influential hubs that can kind of guide and educate the local population because Edmonton's going to consume different than Calgary, than Toronto, than Ottawa. So why, why go national when you can focus local? Yeah, so- I, I agree. And I actually think, well, COVID was tough for me, like at a retail level, we had Calgary um, and Toronto, and then we were building out Saskatoon before we ended up uh, selling the stores. But um, what Queen of Bud offered originally was uh, a different experience. It wasn't to get the customer. Like I know a lot of the larger stores, they would tell me that their goal was to get people in and out in five minutes. And that was like the target for the bud tenders to, to reach. We had people that would stay in our store for like an hour and a half. They'd be talking to us about life and what's going on. And and so 
it like we really wanted to bring an experience and so we would serve coffee and tea and we allowed pets and we'd always have pop-ups going on and different events and bring in a dj and so covid really prevented us the ability to differentiate ourselves because you weren't allowed to sell anything but cannabis um it was just, it was tough to, to differentiate yourself outside of price. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, that was difficult on the retail side, but on the cultivation side, I think that the re the strict regulations actually helped me. I don't know if I would have been able to go up against multi-billion dollar companies and, and brands if it wasn't for the regulations, because they had teams of 50 people trying to figure out how to market these products and coming up with brands. But I was super creative and it's authentic to like me and I love crystals and I always have ever since I was a little kid and their energy. And I just, I felt like even if you don't believe that they, that they have, you know, special powers or vibrations that can have an effect on, on your body. I think that the placebo effect has, has been proven uh, when you set intention, when you focus your mind on, on something else. And so when you consume cannabis, and this is what a lot of people at the, um, when I was a bud tender would complain about is, oh, well, cannabis gives me anxiety. Cannabis gives me paranoia. Um, that's why I don't like it. And so I really wanted to find a solution for that. And the only solution is just you have to change your mindset before you consume. And so that's why we attached um, an energy. So for a venturing, it's very happy and energizing. And that fits with the A13 Haze cultivars terpene profile. Um, and then we have the intention optimism. So, um, you know, maybe write down five things that you're really excited for this year, five things that you are really, you know, happy about that's, that's going on right now. And it kind of instantly takes your mind, your, your thoughts uh, to a different and more positive uh, area. And so I think that that creates a better uh, consumption experience. Well, exactly. And anybody who's passionate and an advocate for the plant Whenever they're talking about the consumption, it is very meditative in the way that they discuss it. And that's like you had a very meditative approach. You got to take your time, be intentional with what you're doing while you're enjoying it. Yeah, I, I, I'm the very same way. Only I described taking the butt out, smelling it, breaking it down, the, the more tactile intention. But that's what I enjoy. You've got a little bit more of a spiritual approach to it, which that's the benefit of cannabis is we can sit in the same room, smoke the same product and both be doing our own kind of um, meditative experience while we're prepping the, the bud and get different takeaways from it, but both be still having that beneficial takeaway. And that is amazing with cannabis. And I love seeing those style of events and that style of focus mentality come out of the market. Cause you're hearing it more. You're hearing that intentional consumption being more the focus of the people within the industry, at least like the bud tenders who are helping the, with the ordering or, or the supervising side. And those are the educators for the new bud tenders. And that's what you love to hear and see that excitement and that passion. <laughs> and naturally. Okay. So they did an experiment um, where they, 
gave some, uh, they gave someone like a Lamborghini or like a very fancy car and they drove it and then they monitored their happiness levels and excitement levels. Um, and it would fade off quite quickly after like a couple weeks of them driving this vehicle, you get used to it. It's not as glamorous and as uh, interesting anymore. And then they uh, did the an, um, another experiment where you would help someone, you do something uh, good, for someone else and the level of happiness would last months and months and months you remember that and so I think all of us want to be good we want to help people we want to do something that impacts this world this life in a positive way so that even if it's just small you left this world a better place than it was before you were here and if I can make someone smile and that makes someone else smile. It really does uh, make the world a, a better place in, in a very small way, but it's still impactful, you know? Absolutely. And that, that kind of ripple effect amongst each other, if you can have a positive ripple and let it expand out, that's it. The, the positive feedback and kind of reinforcement to continue to do that is huge. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing that feels better than helping somebody else and getting like the genuine thank you and appreciation from that. And it's just seeing that support being rendered. I love, yeah. love that with EMS. I love that with cannabis. It's like, it, it's exactly in the core of what I do and why I do what I do. So we're very much in the same mindset there. Yeah. I think that's kind of the meaning of life is like just making others happy and, and spreading positivity. This world is extremely negative, but it's also really beautiful. There's a kind of this balance between good and bad, light and dark. And so that, you know, you'll have really difficult times in life, but you also have some really, really good times and everything's temporary. The, the hard times are temporary. The good times are temporary. And so you just have to kind of embrace it and feel the, you know, feel the emotions for, for what they are. Well, exactly. And the one benefit to the darkest times is the few lights in your life shine a lot brighter when it's dark than it does when you're surrounded by light. So you can kind of isolate and find those people and processes that are the best for you in those times. Because I've really been able to iron out those major helpful things for me when I'm in my darkest points. Well, and like you don't really evolve and learn it when everything's perfect and I I try and remember that like through when something's really really hard and I you know for a second I kind of play victim and just think why is this happening to me and it's like no it's not happening to you it's happening to teach you something so if you can figure out what the lesson is then uh you'll probably be able to like move on from it then it constantly reoccurring because you're not seeing it for a lesson you're seeing it as um something that's happening to you uh so yeah i just uh i think that that we all have the ability to to just really enjoy enjoy
enjoy life. We kind of ruin this experience for, for one another and this world's so beautiful. Think about the culture and the animals and the environment in Africa. Then you have, you know, Fiji. That We have so many different worlds within this world and we get to explore them and it's so awesome. But then we kind of take take that away from one another. And I just think I, that we got to get back to our, our roots and our, our spiritual core. And this is such a, a beautiful experience if if you can kind of change your mindset and see it in that way and and let go of who you think you're supposed to be in this conditioning like I think conformity is the the worst thing uh that could possibly happen in this world because it takes away who it takes away what makes you authentic and we each have these wonderful talents that are unique to us and when you take that away you 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 don't have the ability to really fulfill this this purpose and in your capabilities um that you that you have well exactly and every individual has something about them that is truly unique and heightened that somebody could benefit from whether it's and we make each other creed. like feel bad about like like i i am strange in my own ways you know but and I was taught to be ashamed of, of that, that piece of me. But yet now when I look at it, those pieces are key in Queen of Bud and, and the success of the brand and, and kind of what, what makes me, me. So you, everyone has, you know, parts of themselves that, that aren't perfect. But I think that that, that's like the worst thing is that we have this idea that, that perfect exists, it does not. Um, and then we make each other feel bad about it. And then we try and conform and, and make ourselves fit in. And and yeah, I just, oh, I kind of want to break that cycle. And, and I wanted to create a brand that could maybe inspire people to break that cycle. Well, absolutely. And I, I was lucky enough to get, um, uh, because I could yeah. take my charger. I'm so yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. Um as I didn't plug my computer in. I'm so sorry. Uh it's all good. It's quick and easy to fix that. Um, but I was lucky enough when I was well, I say lucky enough now, even though it's still horrible. We had the fire come through Slave Lake when I was young and I worked as a part of that. So with that, I had just kind of ironed into me very quickly because I was exposed to a lot of a lot of adults in a very traumatic situation seeing their hometown go up so it was just a flood of emotion a flood of exposure to seeing adults in the, that kind of exposed state and through the couple of years of just rebuilding my mentality afterwards and dealing with the the trauma and stuff that I had from that because we did lose our health house through the fire so there's the rebuild and everything through there um, I just found that the more I leaned into my personality, the more I leaned into those traits, the safer I felt, the better I felt, the more I was able to at least do something of benefit. So I was able to learn that a little bit earlier, but because I did do that, it forced me into an isolated state when I was a lot younger. So it was kind of that dual, again, a dual edged sword because I leaned into it so heavy I wasn't afraid to go, this doesn't make any sense. Why? Why are we doing this? Like constantly ask the questions, constantly mm -hmm. question authority because I'm like, this, this doesn't make sense. Here's the reasons why, why are we doing? Yeah.
And now that's become my personality with everything. Well, why? Like, I, I'm just curious. Why? 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 Let's figure out why. Because the more I learn, the more I understand, the better I can be to try and help people and provide that support that was needed. Because why was the biggest thing I heard in a lot of the big events that I had? Why did this happen? Well, let's figure out why in other industries and try and solve the problems there. Yeah. So it's, this industry is very new, but it's growing so fast with how much influence and say the consumers are starting to have. Because the terpene percentages is the first example of that. Once it was started to ask for, once we saw it on the market, everybody was asking for it. And now you can see it readily available. So it'll be interesting to see what the next demand is. We were actually one of the first to put the terpene profile in the top three uh, terpenes uh, on the packaging as well as the lineage. Um, and and we also were one of the first to upload our COA. There was like a lot of kind of lack of transparency in, in that category. We also only used ANL labs. So it was a consistent lab that we used because sometimes licensed producers will get a lab result back and it's not high enough for what they want. And so they send it to another lab. And I just, I think that that's not, I don't know that I just didn't, I don't believe in, in doing things that way. Um, but what's interesting is I remember when I was pitching the rose quartz and the Aventrine and the blue topaz, uh, two pack pre-rolls to the AGLC, they were like, this is 21%. No one's going to want it. And I'm like, yeah, but the Terps are like over 4%. And, um, and it's this unique cultivar that no one else in Canada has. And, and they're like, oh, Ashley, we'll, we'll give it a go, but we don't think it's going to sell well. Well, and now on like most cannabis skews only last three to six months before they either have to do a price drop, swap out the skew or change the product in some way. Customers get bored. We've now had the same cultivars and the same products on the market for three years. And and people absolutely love them because they're seeing that, yeah, the, the THC isn't, you know, 30 percent, but the terpenes definitely matter. And if you have this combination of like the low twenties with the high terp, you're going to terpene uh, percentage, then you're, you're going to have a longer high. Uh, some of these high THCs, like I'll smoke it and yeah, I'll be pretty stoned, but it only lasts like half an hour, at least with the, the rose quartz or some of our cultivars, like you're going to be stoned for a couple hours. It, it actually has some longevity to it. 16 to 22, I say, is the gold. 16, <laughs> 16 to 22% THC with a cannabinoid profile that pushes the 30 and a good terpene profile. And that could be 2.5 for some genetics and 4.6 for others. It really depends on the genetic because I I would look at the I look at the terpenes percentage the same way I look at THC percentage. It's a genetic range. So if it's at 1.5 and the highest that you normally see it as 1.2. Well, guess what? That 1.5 is going to fill a room. Yeah. And I think also the uh, testing for terpenes. So for instance, um, like A&L Labs, I think they test for 20 or 30 different um, terpenes. And then there's other labs that will test for much more. So if you're only testing for a certain, like a smaller amount of terpenes, then your terpene percentage is going to be lower. But if you're testing for a wider range of terpenes, it's going to be a higher percentage. And 
And so I think everyone's aiming for like super, super high terps, but they don't understand that you also don't want your terpenes to be too high or else that's also going to be a little bit harsh and it's going to have a negative effect. So, um, but again, it just goes back to really understanding cannabis, understanding the product, understanding what works and what doesn't versus just, oh, this is what the market wants. And so we're going to throw 7% terpenes on this and... Well, absolutely. And I'm glad you hit that point because that's something that I've been covering for probably four <laughs> or five episodes now through a couple of different pieces of content where it's like, you need to realize that terpene percentage needs to be looked at the same way the THC percentage is. And that's because it is the LP's ability to find how much they want to, they want to hunt down. And like you clarifying that is exactly what I needed to kind of support what I've been saying because you're on the production side. So you've had the opportunity to see that and actually see a little bit more behind the curtain than I do. And having somebody else support that showcases exactly what I've been trying to say. But I know you've got to go for another meeting. So it was great having you on today. I'm definitely looking forward to having you back on, whether you're highlighting new products or you've got a new project coming on feel free to let me know you're got an open seat anytime you want to come back on. And i uh, definitely looking forward to seeing the, the events in the coming months because you should be at grow up. I, I thought I saw that you were supposed to be there. Yeah. So okay. I'm speaking on the Tuesday uh, on the panel there. Um, so I'll definitely see you and maybe we can kind of chat more. I'm also bringing, we just launched. Um, so again, I don't like to launch anything that anyone's done before. So we're launching, uh, we launched diamond infused blunts that are made with like handmade rose petal um, paper. Uh, so it's literally like you're smoking a rose petal and it's slow burning. Um, and I actually looked for these rose petals for like two years because a lot of the rose petal blunts that you see, this is how particular I am, a lot of the rose petal blunts that you see on the market, they contain pesticides and chemicals. And that was just not at all what I wanted. And so it took me a really long time to source something that was like 100% organic, washed in filtered water, no colors, no dyes, no chemicals. Um, and so yeah, we'll definitely have to smoke one of those. And they're infused with diamonds. So they're like 44% and just beautiful very strong very strong <laughs> that sounds like a good time i'll have a booth set up at grop so i'll be easy to spot and find so we'll definitely have to get together <laughs> so it was great having you on um definitely enjoy this conversation i'm looking forward to meeting up with you at grow up and as well as future episodes as uh, you work on your projects and product but with that being said, it was great having you all join us today. But for now, cheers, and we'll see you in the next one.